You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 109. Today's reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 8 through 13. Brethren, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. Only take care lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, at table in an idol's temple, might he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak man is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus, sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of my brother's falling, I will never eat meat, lest I cause my brother to fall. The opening verse from today's reading resonates as we approach the great fast. And St. Paul writes, Brethren, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. And then he goes on to discuss this and and some intricacies of how we approach this topic. But to begin, Father, would you give us some reminders on the purpose of our fasting? Yeah, and as you pointed out, this opening verse from today's reading is quite poignant as we prepare for Great Lent and as our brothers and sisters in other Christian traditions actually begin Lent today. And it's really quite purposeful that the church places this reading here for us at this precise time every year. And to be clear, the reading you selected today is what we heard on Sunday at the Divine Liturgy. Yes, yeah. Father, thank you for pointing that out. And for those who might not be familiar, this past Sunday in the Orthodox Church, it's often referred to as Meat Fair Sunday. And the reason for that is that Orthodox Christians traditionally fast from all meat and dairy products during Great Lent. However, as we prepare for Great Lent itself, we sort of work up into that. And and on this past Sunday, it was the last day between now and Pascha, Easter, that we eat meat. So this reading is assigned for the Sunday on which we say goodbye to meat until Pascha. And that's when we hear these opening words, food will not commend us to God. Yeah, it's a very important context, so thanks for that, Jason. And most definitely, this reading is meant to wake us up to the true meaning of fasting, which, of course, is what you asked me to discuss. Right. And in light of that, I'm interested in why you use that specific terminology, uh, that the reading and the phrase, food does not commend us to God, is meant to wake us up, as you said. Because probably everyone, myself included, as Great Lent starts to approach, begins to immediately think about food, and very specifically the foods that we'll be giving up, such as meat this week or dairy the next week. And so much of Great Lent can become, it shouldn't, of course, but it very easily can become about what we eat and when we eat, or even what we don't eat. And so St. Paul's admonition here that food does not commend us to God is the first scripture verse we hear on the Sunday right before our fasting will begin. Yes, we know fasting is, is certainly important. It's, it's mentioned in the Bible as a good spiritual practice, and it was used by Jews in Christ's time, as we heard the Pharisee say two weeks ago in the parable of the publican and the Pharisee, that he fasted twice a week. And Jesus spoke about his disciples not fasting while he was with them, 
but then he also mentioned they would fast when he was gone. And of course, from the most ancient times, the practice of fasting has been a key spiritual exercise of the Christian church. So how do we balance all of that out with Paul's statement that food does not commend us to God? Well, I think the problem, as is the case with any and all spiritual exercises and practices, is that we make that practice, that exercise, an end in and of itself. Instead, these practices are all a means to an end. But when we make them an end in and of themselves, we become like the Pharisees. We become like people who believe that they can more or less earn their salvation. We begin to trust in our own deeds and in our own righteousness. Yes, Father, I think I I follow what you're saying. We often view fasting as an end goal, but what you're saying, what the Bible is saying, is that fasting is not the goal. But it can help us, if, if we practice it correctly, move toward the goal. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, and I would highlight what I believe are the two most important aspects of fasting, and I think by doing that, we can see the goals toward which we're being led. Good. So what's the, the first one that you want to highlight? I always begin with Isaiah chapter 58. I wrote a paper in seminary on the topic of fasting, and this was the passage that really resonated with me the most and made the most sense of fasting. So what's going on in Isaiah 58 that resonates so much with you? So in that passage, God is speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah, and the people are pleading with God, in essence saying, why aren't you listening to our prayers? We've been fasting, haven't you noticed? Why are you still afflicting us? And God gives a powerful answer. He says, In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. And he goes on, You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul, he asks? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? And of course we know that the answer is no, that is not the fast, to afflict oneself, to make a scene of how hard we're laboring and hunger. No, here is what God says is a true fast. He says, is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. So it's very clear from this passage again from Isaiah 58, that what God desires in the fast is not that we make ourselves hungry and not that we afflict ourselves. What God desires, to put it succinctly, is that we take the food we would have eaten and feed it to the poor. The fast of God is that we deprive ourselves of what we could give ourselves, but instead offer those things to our needy neighbors. And obviously this is consistent with the entire Bible, as well as consistent with what we Orthodox heard in the Gospel reading this past Sunday, the story of the sheep and the goats from Matthew 25, and how we will be judged by Christ, namely, by how we cared for the poor and the needy. I appreciate you sharing that, Father. It's definitely a powerful and humbling passage. 
as I believe most of us are guilty of thinking that we are depriving ourselves during fasting and that this in and of itself is a blessing. But the true blessing is depriving ourselves so that we might give to others. Yeah, right on. And and that was the second key aspect of fasting that I wish to mention is the benefit of fasting, especially as the Orthodox do, which is not that we decide what we're giving up personally, but that we submit to certain guidelines that are set for us and that we deprive ourselves. And the purpose of this is to learn self-discipline. And again, not to learn self-discipline just for self-discipline's sake, but to learn self-discipline because it's necessary to have that, to be disciplined in order to obey the gospel commands. And I know we don't have a lot of time to expound on this point, so I'll just note that self-discipline is necessary to love your enemy. It's necessary to be kind to those who are rude towards you and so forth. And we've discussed many times to live out the gospel, we must learn to override our biological tendencies. And we cannot do that without learning self-discipline. And one of the most basic things that we do as a human being every day to stay alive is to eat. So the thinking with fasting is that if we learn to be disciplined and controlled in what we eat, then we can learn to be more disciplined in other things we do throughout the day. If we learn to control what goes in our mouths, we can also learn to control what goes out our mouths. Uh, Thank you for that insight, Father. It's very helpful. So as we conclude today, I want to touch on some of the later verses in today's passage. Is there a little confusing removed from the context? Specifically, could you address what St. Paul meant when he said, quote, For if anyone sees you, a man of knowledge, at table in an idol's temple, might he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak man is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brethren and wounding their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Would you explain what it is that Paul is warning us against here? Yeah, and as you said, Jason, you know, very confusing without some context. Uh, in the Roman Empire of Paul's time, meat was not in abundance as it is today in most of our countries, those that are listening to this podcast. And the times when it was really available to all was during the festivals, which of course in the Roman Empire were pagan festivals. And so this question arose, especially among the Gentile converts, about whether or not Christians could eat this meat, given that it had been offered to the idols as part of the pagan festivals and rituals. Now, ultimately, what Paul concludes is that, yes, this meat can be eaten by the Christians. And the reason for that, as Paul explains, he says these pagan idols are not real. They're not the one and only biblical God. And the Christians, of course, can pray over this meat. They can offer thanks to the biblical God, and there's no problem. However, this is a big, however, big condition. Paul says that some of what he calls the weaker brethren might be scandalized by this practice. They may not be as enlightened, so to speak, to understand that these idols have no real power and no influence over the Christian. And so what Paul is saying in today's passage that you just read, he's saying that you as a Christian, you have a right to eat meat offered to the idol because that idol is nothing to you. However, again, a big however, it's an overriding principle. If eating of that causes a weaker brother to stumble or to be scandalized, then Paul says don't eat the meat for the weaker brother's sake. 
So we can see that as a Christian, our primary concern is not with our own rights, but with how we interact with others, and most especially those who are weaker, be it in a position of worldly power or just a weaker faith. And this again ties back into what we discussed earlier on this episode, that our faith, our spiritual practices are not done in a vacuum. They're not done just for our own sake, but for the benefit of others. And within the context of a life lived within a community where the care and concern for others, and most especially the others who are weak and vulnerable, is of primary importance. Thank you, Father. Today's discussion centered around fasting as we approach the beginning of Great Lent. Father began by pointing out that our fasting during Great Lent should not revolve around what and when we eat. And St. Paul admonishes us in today's reading that, quote, food does not commend us to God. Our practice of fasting during this time can often become an end in and of itself, which leads us to become like the Pharisees. We begin to think that we can earn our salvation and trust in our own righteousness. But Father Aaron pointed to two key points as we think on the true purpose of our fasting, with one aspect being the importance of self-discipline, which is necessary for each of us in order to obey the gospel commands. And to the second point, Father read a passage from Isaiah 58 that captures the true desire of God for us in our fasting. Quote, Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God.